0: Welcome back to the Book Distillery. We are the blue collar scholars discussing books that matter. This week we are discussing chapters 9, 11, and 14 of my book, Saving Europe. And uh, in these chapters, we start to see the highs and the lows of the Christian pioneer calling firsthand great privations, bereavements, starvation, enmity, and exile, but also many great providential occurrences in the form of princely gifts of land. Christian conversions, monastic expansion, miracles, deliverance, growth, flourishing, and faithful friendships. In many ways, Columbanus' theology and personal philosophy fitted him for extreme adversity and mission. And this poses many challenges to us across time, as we endeavor to be salt that salt in our generation. So the, some ideas that I'd like to Discuss to probe the call to mission and to sacrifice, call to the prophetic lifestyle of a Christian disciple then and now, the interface or perhaps the disjuncture between obeying God and honoring Caesar and how to create a lifestyle, a church, a community, and a rich folk culture that is obediently, faithfully, and authentically Christian, yet also resonant with sinners' needs. With us tonight are the Blue Collar Scholars. In the top left corner, we have Ben Odart, newly moved to Bath. Ben, great to see you. Below him, that's Jeffrey, who just got his dissertation in the last time we did a podcast with two minutes to spare, and has triumphed magnificently in it. So big congratulations to Jefferson. Uh, Richard, uh, hair still growing prodigiously, and Andy Masguru from Barrington. It's great to see you there. And our special guest tonight, very, very special guest. We've been trying to get her for ages. This, in the top right corner, is Nicole Morgan. Nicole gained her bachelor's degree in psychology from Texas State University. She worked as a sexual abuse investigator for the state of Texas three years ago while intending to start her own nonprofit, to fight the sex trafficking industry, she set off on an international journey and without knowledge, resources, without income, like Colabana's, the Lord took her on a completely faith-based journey with little to nothing except guidance from the Holy Spirit. A journey that spanned 15 countries in two years, living by faith alone and living out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, embracing sacrifice, surrender, and radical obedience, uh, book distillery blue collar scholars please welcome nicole
1: <laughs> thank you so uh, much
0: and, and uh, up in michigan in uh, the usa is the weather getting a little bit chilly at this time of year is it still quite warm
1: um i would say chilly for me just because i grew up in texas <laughs> so mm-hmm. i know we're currently in the 70s not sure what that would translate in england but but i yeah. think it might be a little bit colder than england at the moment <laughs>
0: I just got off uh, a call with um, Meredith, who was on the podcast a few years. she just moved to Oxford to do her doctoral work, and she said it's from Florida, and she, <laughs> she's wearing a <laughs> cardigan. And I said, you look like an English person. That's great. <laughs> That's smashing. That's smashing. So we've got these chapters. Boys... Before we we, uh, we we pile on to Nicole, loads of questions. Any of you guys wanted to sort of give a preliminary reaction? Maybe Nicole, you could pile in here too to the to the material that you read, Colin story. I was interested
2: in continuities from the patristic record um, because I love patristics and the study of the early church. And you know, this if. if the sources are to be believed you know you've mentioned in the text henry that sort of the part of the genre is that they exaggerate but if it's true that he did all these signs and wonders then he's very much in the line with the same cap stories in the patristic record of great evangelists and apostles and the biblical record
0: yeah in a way they they're expecting it on the continent you know he you know, thinking about Martin of Tours and some of these guys, Hilary Poitiers. you know, you can't fake it. If your hagiographer is only writing a couple of years after you die, you can't support a whole, you know, it's. I'd, I'd say it's more credible because it was written nearer the time of the source and people flocked to those monasteries and they embraced that lifestyle, particularly the rich and the affluent, the sons of the Burgundian nobles. So,
3: yeah. And the story of someone that, grows up for 20 years and spends 20 years in a monastery being prepared and then leaves the land of his home and somehow seems to end up straight away being involved in the first people he's interacting with, the kind of leaders of the community, kings and queens. And I think the one the one that jumped out for me that I found really quite encouraging is, I don't know, like you, you hear about people that have read a lot and he he's clearly studied for 20 years and yet his message just seems to be just biblical, simple. Living uh, to, to everyone that seems to rock up, you know, being offering to heal or what have you. The thing that really struck me as well was kind of every time he gets to a point of transition, like it's time to move on, or he's being shoved out, or someone's kind of forcing him to move on because they don't like his message, or he's deciding whether to go to Italy and who to come with him. It's like stuff happens in those moments. Like there's, it's not random. It's not his own ego driving his journey, I suppose. So there's kind of the sense of he, he's choosing to go. And yet also at different points, he's kind of running away. I've, I can't remember how it went, but someone ended up on the boat and a wave washed them ashore. The guy realized he was wrong, so jumped off and the wave washed them back again. It was like, right. So those two things, like, it's encouraging to seeing someone that so diligently prepared himself, but kind of went armed with nothing but the simple gospel and some faith, willingness to go, really. I've always found that incredibly challenging, especially coming from quite comfortable circumstances, born and raised in England. and stress so so yeah there's definitely something in that that's, that strikes a chord
0: okay well you know some people might read the sources and go did people really ever do such a things or were they just written about it like you know Norse sagas perhaps we could pick on Nicole you know and say mm-hmm. you know to hear a bit about your story but just to help us recast it and see see Columbanus peregrinations in a kind of different light hear it from the hear it from the mm-hmm. ground floor come and tell us tell us about your story. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I I just want to say that I found like reading his story very refreshing because as I've mentioned it before, uh, I don't know that many people that have gone through this journey. And so reading some of the trials that he went through was just like, oh, I I know how that feels. And of course, I've never been persecuted or exiled or anything. But um, but I know, like I, I, I often have trouble telling my story because I don't know, like, what's my title? What do I do? You know, but even reading like them being pilgrims, it's kind of like, I think I relate more to that than like the average person, you know, with Mm -hmm. a a church or whatever, because I've sort of been a pilgrim for the last um, three years. And so um, pretty much I was working as a sexual abuse investigator in Texas. And um, I think it was hand in hand where I just had the desire to chase more after Jesus and the calling that I've known all my life that he's placed on my heart and also wanting to do ministry because working for the state of Texas is like, you can't really evangelize, even though you're dealing with really hard situations like sexual abuse and sex trafficking. Um, my heart is just like, I just want to be able to minister without the barriers of government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just have this like feeling of, you know what, I'm just going to quit. It's just time to do it not sure how i'm gonna survive because it's not like i have a income or i don't know how to start a non i'm really bad when it comes to like all the things that would involve starting a nonprofit. i'm really good at going to places you know like outreaches and stuff like that but the background stuff of how to survive mm-hmm. with like a nonprofit, i have no idea <laughs> but um i just went from the lord to do it and so it just happened that uh, my lease was gonna end at my apartment. So I just put everything in a storage room. I didn't know where I was gonna live next. My friend was like, just come stay with me. I only ended up staying there two, two weeks. <laughs> and then ever since I've just sort of been like a nomad, like literally having no home, um, moving from place to place. Um, often not knowing where I'll be even the following day, the following week. And suddenly, you know, it'd be like, oh, now I'm going to a different continent, Okay. (laughs) Um, And so in the beginning, I did have like some money saved up, but of course, that ran out pretty quickly. And so, you know, I I, like when you read the Bible, you read verses like, you know, Luke 9, where, where Jesus tells the disciples, just go, don't take anything, you know, the Lord will provide. And so I, I just started experiencing the Bible like that, where like I, I'm reading these Bible verses, you know, and, and these stories. And it's like, yeah, I truly believe that. So why can't God do that for me? You know, and so how does it look like to be a modern day disciple? You know, like yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: um, so, <laughs> Nicole, if I, you know, I mean, because it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't come in soft focus. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Colin Barnes would, he, he would, they were starving and eating the bark off the trees. Uh, mm-hmm. perhaps you could, do you want to give some? I'm yeah. sure you have examples of, you know, so where, right. where where the rubber hits the road and where maybe you felt mm-hmm. God could have answered you just a little bit quicker.
1: I, I just, I, I have so many stories, honestly. Um, because there came a point where I literally had no money, like no money at all, and I have, you know. You start questioning because then you have society telling you, well, you know, maybe you heard it wrong from the Lord. And then you're reading the word like I'm reading Paul's letters where he's talking about starvation and stuff like that. Um, So in the beginning of uh, 2020, I literally had no money. I spent my last like money to on the flight from Cyprus to Greece. I just felt from the Lord to go to Greece. I didn't know anybody. I, I didn't like have a specific reason why. Uh, I arrived to Greece with no money. So I had to sleep at the airport for three days. <laughs> um, I spent New Year's at the airport, um, literally sleeping on a bench just at the airport. Um, I think I had like three euros left. And um, and yeah, so you, like, my, I don't know, it's just hard to explain some of these stories because they're so detailed. Like you spent a whole book writing about Columbin, you know and so yeah because there's so many things like that that make a difference you know in the little details of, of his journey and so i had been told you know the lord wants you to be generous with your money even if that's the last amount of money that you have and you don't know how you're gonna receive more so i literally <laughs> had like three euros left i was already planning to save that for like you know i'm spending new year's Ear new year's eve by myself i'll just buy myself something and that'll be like my celebration as i'm Pretty much sleeping on a bench at the airport, you know. It's my third night there, and um, and so I have this homeless woman come and and ask me for money, and it's just like you feel convicted because you're like, oh, the Lord told me to to give my last, my every little last, even if I don't know where where I'm gonna get more money, you know. And and so I gave her a little bit. I still like save some for like myself. Um, And so the next morning I woke up and there was a woman sitting next to me and she kind of laughed because I'm waking up, you know, on the bench at the airport. And I started talking to her and it turns out that she's actually from England. And I I just asked her, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? Um, And she was like, yeah, my son, he has brain problems, like needs surgery. So I prayed for her and I just went to walk around. And eventually, Um, I sat somewhere else and she found me and she was so excited to see me again. So she waved and sat next to me and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. Should I use my last three euros to like buy food or not? Like, Lord, like, and then she comes in, she gives me a KitKat. And like, I just started bawling because of course a KitKat is not healthy or anything. (laughs) But to me, it was just like, I just needed a little bit to like control my hunger. And I just felt like that KitKat was like the same as my prayer was for her, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like little moments like that where it's not that big of a deal, you know, to get a Kit Kat. but in that moment when you're hungry and you have no money, it's everything to you. Um, so it's like, the, I don't know, you start learning, one, like, like how much more important it is for me to follow the Lord than having money, let's say. Yeah. You know, how much more, like how much more valuable it is for me to pray for one woman at the airport, even, like how much am I willing to sacrifice to follow the Lord. And even if it's just one little prayer, you know, and two months later, like she she would still message me. She's like, Nicole, thank you so much for your prayer. My son is better. And so I I found it incredible that she saw her son's like healing related to my prayer, you know, even if it was like two months later. And so it's like, how, how far are we willing to go to follow the Lord, you know, no matter if, if we're sleeping at an airport broke and it doesn't make sense. And so from there on, on like I had so many moments where I literally had no money. I'm starving. So yeah, after that, um, I felt like I should go to a hostel. And again, I have very little money. I received um, some donations on New Year's Day enough to like stay at a hostel. But I felt l- the Lord say, you're going to go through some days of hunger. So I'm like, okay, preparing myself mentally. Okay, I'm not gonna eat for a few days. Okay. I arrive at, at the hostel and an hour later, this girl arrives and she's like sleeping on top of me. So we start talking and and I, you know I'm there by myself. And and she's like, Oh, you've been traveling, yeah. And what about you? She was like, Yeah, I was in, in Pakistan if east and she was like, Well, yeah, if it wasn't for me evangelizing and getting arrested for 30 days, I would have stayed there. Wait, what? Like, wait, what? You're you're also a missionary? And she's like, Yeah. And so she was literally in jail for 30 days for evangelizing and she got kicked out of the country. So now she's in the hostel with me, which is crazy that out of all the hostels in Athens, um, we would end up together, you know, and she ended up feeding me for the next like week. You know, she would buy me food and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have eaten. So reading these stories of like, Column men, you know, where where suddenly they encounter a woman and the woman beats them. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I was encountering as I, like, went where I felt the Lord guide me. (laughs) So,
2: what happened between then and meeting Ben? How did you meet Ben? I don't know that story.
1: (laughs) So, again, like, I, I, it just came to the point where every single person I was meeting was just so like, there were heavenly appointments. Like there was not one person that I wasn't encountering that I could say that wasn't the Lord. Um, so eventually, you know, I'm in Athens, i mean in Greece for like a month and a half, you know, so many little miracles happened there financially and stuff. And I'm in, I, I didn't know what was next. Like I'm sort of waiting for the Lord, I'm running out of money again. <laughs> and suddenly a friend from England is like, hey, I really feel from the Lord to buy you a ticket to come to England. Um, to do outreach in Manchester. I'm like, great. So then I end up flying to so suddenly from like in a few days, I'm like, oh, now I'm going to England, great. you know. And so completely unplanned. I arrived to England um, and it was harder in England because I knew people there. So it's harder to know that you might be in the homeless when you know people, you know? And so you start kind of experiencing also the rejection. So like, you know, I'm running out of money. I'm just here following the Lord. But my friends might be like, hey, actually, you can't stay with me. I I can't host you. And and it's just like a little bit heartbreaking because you are like, yeah, but I might end up in the street, you know. So um, I was in London in a hostel again, running out of money. My friend had invited me to stay there um, to stay in Northampton for um, a week or something like that. Eventually she was like, well, actually, the day of she was like, you know what, it's not a good time for me. Sorry. So that same day, suddenly I have nowhere to sleep. I have no money to like pay for another night at the hostel. I was super heartbroken because, you know, there's this one friend and she just closes the door and I don't know where I'm gonna sleep tonight. So then I call another friend and I'm like, hey, can I stay with you? Which is always a little bit awkward when you're not like invited, you know? And she was like, yeah, sure, just come. So I end up going to Oxford area. stay there for a little while with her. And she was that Sunday, she was like, Hey, I really want to go to my college towns church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it just happens that, you know, I was meant to go to Northampton, but my friend cancelled. So then I ended up in Oxford. And then she's like, Oh yeah, we're going to Southampton on Sunday. So it was just such a like ironic thing because my plan was to go to Northampton, and yet I end up in Southampton. So it was just like such a thing of like, you know what? This is why I don't plan anything because I plan it. And then the Lord is like, actually, you're going to Southampton, like a completely different you know, direction. And so we go to her church and there's Ben and <laughs> we just like, you know, start talking and I start kind of telling him about my journey. And and yeah, like he just um, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk more about that, Ben. But <laughs>
3: oh, because. So my, my friend I hadn't seen because she'd been away in South Africa in the summer. And I was like, wait, Abby's come back to the South, to Southampton. And she didn't tell me she was coming. I was like, I don't recognize the person with her. And so we was catching up and then I started hearing Nicole's story. And Nicole said, well, I'm, I'm traveling. And then she said, I'm traveling with Holy Spirit. And something in me was just like, oh, please tell me more. And it was just so exciting because, I mean, I think... Nicole, you, you chatted for a few people at the church, and I, I, I could, like, it's just so interesting to hear. And he's like, I don't know how to describe it. I'm kind of a missionary, but I'm just on this journey of the Lord. And so we must have spoke for about an hour and just shared testimonies, um, mm. really just catching up and just sharing dreams and what the Lord was doing. And my, <clears throat> my half of that story, I walked out of that church and I was like, that was the most life-giving conversation I've had in years. Like, I, I remember, I can remember what it felt like to walk out of the church. I'm like, Oh, I'm just so encouraged by this like someone that, and the other thing I'll say about like meeting Nicole then and I know Nicole very well now um, she was my flatmate for um, a year um, off the back of this um, it was it, it so struck me how sleepy my life was in that I'm just rocking up to church and I could have missed it and I'm kind of I really could have missed it I, I really could have not been there um, and yet Nicole was awake um, and I know she described this at length and we, we spoke about What's like to come back to a Western country where it's business as usual, just business as usual, business as usual, business as usual? Um, and so, yeah, no, I, that was really exciting. And then we kept in touch. Um, and then my half of the story was about three weeks later, we kind of, um, the Holy Spirit just said to me, um, You need to offer Nicole your spare room at 6 p.m. tomorrow. I was like, Wait, really? And I was like, Well, that's that's awfully forward, Lord. I, don't like, I prayed about it for a day and um, I, and so I thought, well, I missed it by 45 minutes because I was in a shop stressing about it. We didn't really know each other that well. <laughs> so I thought, so I said, look, I, I hope, hope it's not out of place. But I, I just really felt to ask if, if you need a place to stay. Covid was about to happen. I know you're yes. on the road. Um, I felt to I just say, I've got a spare room. It's, it's yours if you need it. And it was, yes. wasn't it that, that morning, you were, the Lord was asking you, what do you want to do? And you had... I, I I might be forgetting this, but you had the option of going mm. to Germany, you had the option of going to Scotland, you had the option of America. And I think it was yeah, like yeah. that week or a few days before you got to a point and you said, if I was to pick, I'd stay in England, um, which I just thought was so funny. But.
1: Yeah, well, it was like when the pandemic was gonna start. So I couldn't stay at hostels anymore, you know, because they're gonna shut down. So I literally had nowhere to stay. So then it was like, everybody's telling me to go back home. Like, you know, everybody's like, Nicole, go back home. And then I just felt like the Lord had given me promises for England. So then again, it's like that faith-based, like you're going against what logic is telling you, which is there's a pandemic, go back to your home country and just having to obey the Lord, you know, and knowing, and and so I chose, you know what, I'm going to stay in England, even if I don't have anywhere to stay. And then that same evening, Ben offers somewhere for me to stay.
2: (laughs) But you you keep looking after Ben, Nicole, because you... um... (laughs) Well, you kept him sane through the lockdown, you know? <laughs> right. He's
1: yeah. a simple
2: person. It wouldn't have suited him to be on his own. So I was so glad you were there. And, um,
1: Aww.
2: but also he gave you shelter, so you had a, a home. So right. everyone wins, you know, and yeah. you, you built his faith up so much. I don't have a conversation with Ben now where he doesn't mention you because you've had, <laughs> you've had such an effect on him.
0: So
1: yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, a
0: couple of things. To, one was, um, The the sort of difference, because the the whole kind of one of the lies of modernity really is the autonomous self that you can be self-authoring. What we're talking here is about the life that is God-authored, called by God, you know, to His voice, who you are and where you are to go. The second is that you you don't see these things uh, unless you do them. And I, I just was reminded of that lovely Psalm 107, verse 23: "They that go down to the sea in ships." Who do business in great waters, these are the ones who see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Um, You don't get them from probably from a church pew or a sofa. Um, And and the other thing was about the hunger aspect of it. Now, you know, we're dealing with kind of wild asceticism with these Irish monks, but uh, I I was reminded of a a couple of women. Um, One was called Simone Veil, and one's called Simone de Beauvoir, and one was an existentialist philosopher. I think, was she? Sartre's mistress, Richard, I think yeah. she was. And she had a conversation. She she thought that this um this Christian mystic, Simone Vey, was uh an extraordinary woman, but they were having a conversation about things, and and one's the trendy, you know, up and coming philosopher. And then you've got this Catholic. Well, she's not Catholic really, is she? She's um she wouldn't be baptized, and she's this prophetic soul, intellectual. And, and they, and they get to a point where she just looks at Simone Beauvoir and she says, you could only say that because you've never been hungry.
3: Oh. And she'd gone to
0: fight in the Spanish Civil War, even mm-hmm. though she was a pacifist. And, you know, she, she's got this really extraordinary story. Um, so th- th- these aspects of hunger and denial, living right on the edge of your, well, beyond your comfort zone, but right on the edge of of human sort of possibility, or human extremity being God's possibility almost for his uh, interactions. Uh, it's there. so
4: encouraging to hear to hear these stories, Nicole. Like, um, so reading Henry's book about about Columban, like it's very easy to fall into a trap of thinking, ah. Oh, that can't possibly be true. Like, even for me, who believes in miracles and stuff like this, I'm like, oh, you know, surely that can't really have happened or, you know, maybe they've embellished this a bit or whatever. So it's so nice to hear these kind of stories of, yeah, no, that really does happen today. And so, you know, that really could have happened to, to, to Columban then. Um, and I think, like, that kind of ties in a little bit to what you were just saying, Henry, that actually, you know, the, there's these kind of opposing... Worldviews, as our friend Mark would say, you know, these these kind of different different takes on things that oh, you know, that could just be chance, or you know, oh, we we've got to kind of like you know, make ourselves what we want to be, or you know, take take kind of control of our own destiny or something. Um, but actually, you know, if if we if we're trusting and living, you know, in 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 the kind of life-giving God. Um, he's more than able to provide a meaningful existence um, and everything else that we need kind of on top of that, you know, seeking first the kingdom and everything else, you know, all, all these things will be added to you. So, yeah, I, I, just, I just wanted to jump in and say that this is so encouraging. Um, it's just really fun. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs>
2: I, I like your um, choice of the two Simons, um, Henry, because one of the themes of your book is about modernism and people looking into the future and trying to invent the future. Which is more the Simone de Beauvoir, you know, let's invent a new feminist world. Whereas Simone Veil looks backwards. Um, you know, she's, she's, a, she, some of her best stuff is historical because she's trying to dig up, rather like you're doing, trying to dig up a Christian perspective on the past so we understand where we are now. I think her passion was, she's quite like Maritain, she's trying to root us in our past so we know how to go forward. Um, but that's not to say de Beauvoir's work is valueless. I have a question for um, Nicole. Can I ask a question now? Sure. Um, we've got a lot of stories in Henry's book, um, the two strands um, in the Columbanus strand, which is what we're focused on tonight. We hear of a lot of uh, miracles and divine guidance, healing miracles, nature miracles. Um, and in the, the parallel story, which you won't probably have seen, which is of the the, uh, the hero, the heroic Catholics going through the Second World War, we also have these miracles of divine providence and coincidence. Um, God clearly arranging things. I think you've you've already testified about miracles of providence and coincidence, and you know God arranging, the Father arranging for you to be with a certain person at a certain time, but. Have you experienced um, signs and wonders, like miraculous events? You told us already about a healing. Are there any more stories you've seen?
1: Honestly, my journey, um, it's almost like the Lord, He's just kept it really specific. So when it comes to like signs and wonders, honestly, I think in the beginning of my journey, that was what I was looking for. Mm. And so the Lord kind of had to... um, remove that because I was coming from like a background or like churches that tell you so much about it that almost like mm. you forget that salvation is the main focus. So for me, it was kind of like the Lord had to first take me towards like, no, salvation is a focus, miracles and wonders. Um, yeah, the Lord uses it only for His glory and for salvation, you know? Um, so I think I've, I've experienced a little bit more where um it's just more following what the father says um and not seeking like miracles and wonders and unless the father says so you know so i was just like looking at jesus how how much he just like did whatever the father said and sometimes that was being you know with a woman by a well and sometimes it was like preaching to like five thousand, and 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 then you know they're, they're fed miraculously, you know? Um, So for example, I was in South Africa in this like village and we had there, there's like a lot of witchcraft. So people are used to seeing signs and wonders. So if somebody is raised from the dead, they're just kind of like, like okay, whatever. Like that could have been the witch or that could have been the Christian guy. Like it's not, there's not much of a difference like it is in the Western world. And so we we had gone to one house. We had gotten words of knowledge that um, People in the house had like, you know, knee issues or back issues. We prayed, but nothing happened. They weren't healed, even though we had received these words of knowledge. Then we went to a different house that we felt and in, like inclined from the Holy Spirit to go pray for this guy. And as soon as we entered, I felt like this like really cooling sensation on my back, and I didn't know what that meant because I had never felt that. So it just felt like really like cool, like kind of like when you put those like ice and hot patches and so they started talking to this guy telling him about Jesus and I just said as soon as I entered I felt something on my shoulder on my back and I don't know what that means but I just know that the Holy Spirit really wants to touch you today and he was like well actually I just injured my back today Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like okay well can I pray for you and so I prayed for him the first time and then he he didn't get healed. <laughs> so, um, I just remember thinking, no, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me this word of knowledge. So then I'm going to pray into it. Like, kind of like, no, this is happening. You know? So I prayed for it again. And then he was like, wow. Yeah. Like the, the pain is gone. Ah. And so we asked him, <laughs> we asked him, what well, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he was like, okay. So uh-huh. he gives his life to Jesus, you know? So, um, so yeah, so it's just been very specific from the Lord, like how can we go to one house, there's no healing that happens and yet we go to a different one and the Holy Spirit knows that actually he's ready to give his life to Jesus. Um, so it's just been really interesting how, it's just like the Lord just guides me to that one person that the Holy Spirit already knows, like what they need to hear that day, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's often a division of labor in the kingdom, isn't there, that we have different gifts and. Um, I found on the ministry course where I met Ben, there was a big focus on praying for people for physical healing. Um, right. the, the church that it was coming from was doing this all the time and seeing amazing miracles. And the, my tutor from the course was praying, especially for Muslims, on the streets of Balam and seeing miracles all the time. Um, but what I found was that the shape of my own sort of spiritual man Um, wasn't shaped like that. I found that I just didn't, only once did I really experience where I felt I prayed for someone and they were healed physically. Um, Whereas what I found with me was that it was all about the interior of people, that my gifting seemed to be all about minds and emotions and the invisible parts of people because how many people on the streets did I pray for and I felt like the Lord did something and touched something deep inside them, childhood trauma or whatever, who knows. But. So I found that there was a certain shape to me, you know what I mean, spiritually? And I think Paul Paul implies in Corinthians that we can all operate in all the gifts. So um, potentially we can all stretch ourselves like our spiritual man, spiritual woman can kind of grow new limbs. But I found I had a particular shape. So one of my questions for you was, you have seen physical healing, but have you found there's a particular bias in your ministry? There are particular things you find the Lord does through you most powerfully or most often?
1: I think uh, if, it, if there's anything that i, I guess i focus on is just my relationship with god like i want to be so obedient i want to be able to hear from him so clearly so he i'm just going to the person that he tells me to do. i'm not necessarily concentrating on like the multitudes it's just whatever he wants you know like jesus did he knew what woman to go to he knew you know what the father had planned for that day <laughs> um and so i i I do like my friends do find me to be like pretty pro- prophetic um but I think I I just focus more on w- what is God saying about this person how how can I show them God's love um and just focusing on like you know what the Lord is saying about this situation about this person um and I guess you could say that's like prophetic you know um but I I think I i relate more to paul as an apostle than like prophets in the bible if that makes sense because i love traveling and going to wherever the holy spirit tells me and so yeah i don't know if that kind of answers your question i don't know if ben has yeah, you oh, I any mean, comments I
3: mean, one of the things i've most taken away from my time spent with nicole and talking for hours but also hearing her story is the layer of priorities like the, the order of them and the fact that intimacy of jesus is Primary, like everything else is second. Like, no, but back to the source, but back to the source, but what is he saying? What is he doing? Could you imagine him doing that? Is is that a Christ thing or is that just something we've tacked on at the end of it? Um, And I think that for me has been one of the most deeply encouraging things for my life. So so we talk a lot about such interesting topics. We talk philosophy, we talk history, but for me it's like, but why? And and that why goes so deep and it's and it's the person it's the person of Jesus for Jesus today and just who he is. Like and and and, and not just I mean we had this uh it was me and Nicole talking about this earlier today, so perhaps she can say it better than, than I can, but just about like not exalting the knowledge of the things of God, and the knowledge of what he's up to, what he's doing over over him. And the other thing that I'll say about Nicole and what I've observed of her ministry, which is deeply challenging, is is truth. Like Words paid and bought for not not speaking with a loose tongue not 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 uh not speaking to placate egos or to uh, make someone but actually bringing like words that bring life words that bring truth so it comes with so much more impact when you know someone is integrous to the core and so it was interesting like in my life from what i know of nicole was like when that journey goes deep in what god's doing what you then study you can then speak about with an impact instead of it just being words for word's sake or i are talking about columbanus and it appears to be the same thing of a man that just goes nope let's say like he studied for 20 years and the same things that i would say having not studied for 20 years at a monastery where he just goes up to a king and he's like well that's wrong this is right and, and like perhaps there's i don't know mm-hmm. there's some grace that goes with these things but just he 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 gives these the, the simple things that we all know in authority because he's kind of backed them up with and one other thing that Nicole brought with her, I think, from, from this journey for me is, it, it was it, just saying about busyness in our culture, like, busyness, She's just like, oh. it's like, I've, I've been on a journey where I've been looking at heaven. What's heaven saying? What's heaven doing? What is heaven doing? Heaven stops for the one far more than I do. I can say that much. And like living, especially like in this London working culture, it, it convicted me on beyond belief.
1: I was just gonna say that. I think one reason we see Colin like, he has such an authority, right? That everywhere he goes, he can speak to kings without the fear of like what might happen. Cause he knows that even if he gets exiled, the Lord is with him, you know? And so I think that something happens when you literally eat by the hand of the Lord or you are completely surrendered, you've lost everything. I mean, I can say I've literally lost everything to like, I don't have a home. I've lost my car. I've lost everything just to follow God. And it, so it comes with like such a level of surrender and sacrifice that like when I meet you, it's coming with like my my tears and my sweat, you know, yeah. on my hands because I've, I've literally given everything to pray for one person at an airport in Greece. Like it comes with such a level of um like the price that I've paid to to pray for them or or meet up whatever person the Lord wants me to encounter, I don't know. It's, just, it's like this. The, it it comes with so much power then, you know, because you've literally given everything to the Lord. So then yeah. the Lord is completely backing you up because. I'm only I'm only eating today because the Lord provided. I only have a roof over my head because the Lord provided. And so everything I do is actually coming from the Lord, if that makes sense. And sometimes we say it in church, you know, but we mean it in a spiritual way, but what happens when you actually mean it in a physical way, you know, which is, no, literally my provision came from the Lord, like my food or, so I think that something gets combined when you live it, you're actually living it. It's like something gets released um, in every encounter that you have over your life. And so I think, you know, we look at people like Columbine and we're like, wow, that's incredible. But it's because of how much he's like set up his life to be completely in God's hands, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
5: (laughs) That's it. it's, a, it's only when you stop leaning on the things you've got in the world and trusting these curtains or this house or this roof, you're actually trusting God completely. It's only then that you can actually say, am I, am I standing on the rock? You know, it reminds me of Peter in the, in the Gospels and the story of him getting out of the boat. There's a point at which you're stepping out of the boat, but you can still hold on to the boat. You've got to actually at some point let go and start walking.
3: Just to be clear, that's exactly how I feel at the moment. I'm out of the boat, but I've got a really nice hand grip up here. I mean, <laughs> I've got off on my journey of the Lord, but there's all this safety net. that if I just wanted to, I could hop back in. That was a moment of confession.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Can, Richard, can, can, Richard does have um more questions. Because I've been thinking of questions based on the
2: book, um, about your sort of linking the book to your experience. Um, Ben's just mentioned formation, the formation of Columbanus. Yeah. we was I didn't know until I read Henry's book how much um, time he'd spent. You know how old he was when he finally set off. Um, and we've heard a lot about Robert Schumann and how God formed him for decades before the war. So he was ready. So he had that steel in his bones, and he had an intellectually a grasp on what he was called to do. How do you feel the Lord formed you for this vocation?
1: Um, I I grew up with a father who is also a minister, so I think. Um, I really loved what Coleman said at one point where it's sort of like um, in in chapter 11, where he talks about being a pilgrim all his life. Uh, Because it sort of felt like that. I actually grew up and was born in Mexico and then moved to America. So it's just like, I've sort of been a pilgrim all my life and growing up with a father who's a minister. um, Sometimes we didn't have enough to eat because he didn't get paid enough or, you know, by donations. And so I think that settled like some level of faith in me yeah. That I knew that God would provide no matter what. As far as like qualifications, you know, like um, like when you read Colin Vince like he sounds like he was a genius, you know, like um, growing up and everything. And so, um, you know, I I, I told Ben because. Whenever I meet people in the church, the first thing they want to know is what your qualifications, especially when you you seem like you're just a backpacker, you know, and you arrive at the church. Um, they want to know what your qualifications are, and I told Ben today I just love the way Paul always introduces himself in the Bible because it's just like I'm just a messenger of God, you know, like he had a ton of qualifications before before he, he Jesus encountered him, but yet that kind of all like didn't even matter anymore it just mattered whatever the lord wanted and so i think when i set out to do this journey it was just my hunger like that drove me even though you know i have a bachelor's degree i have a ton of experience as far as like fighting sex trafficking or sexual abuse um but really it's only been the lord teaching me so as i've gone it's like now I read the Bible and I feel like I've lived some of it because I'm living it myself. So the Bible just became sort of like my food. So when I'm in Athens, I'm sleeping at the airport with no money and I'm hungry and I'm reading the letters that Paul wrote in Athens or in Greece himself talking about starvation and like, you know, the things that he encountered which were way, were way worse than what I've encountered. It's that, is, I don't know, it's like sort of like, it went hand in hand, like I'm living this thing and yet I'm learning from the Lord himself as I'm experiencing it myself. And so we can, you know, go to school and and learn about all these things, but unless you're living it, like there's sort of like a different level of training. So I will say that when I started, I was, um, there's a lot of things that the Lord needed to fix in my heart. But as I kept walking and my hunger grew for him, like the more he started like, breaking things off of me or, you know, like cool. purifying me more and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess I, I I can only say that I just literally have the Lord who's guided me if that makes sense. And I, I honestly wouldn't want to have it any other way because that's all I want. You know, I just want the Lord, what he wants to teach me and nothing else, just like the, the living Word of God, you know? Well, I guess well,
2: the way you've been living for the last three years is also a training, and presumably there's another destination of it. Mm-hmm.
3: And just yeah. on something like that, there was a line in, I think it was the end of chapter 9, where it was talking about this white, the, the white martyrdom. Which, I mean, this was the thing that just lit up in me when I read it, the, 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 the kind of, the, 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 these were things that were part and parcel, partly because of something the Lord said to me when I was a young boy about what it, what it would cost to follow him, perhaps, and it was to leave home and never return were his exact words. And then I read it uh, in this book, and I, I think I was going back over the old chapters, and I've just there's been a few moments I've just circled and written Nicole next to them because I'm like, wow. hey, I recognise that, I've heard that before. But wow. there was a beautiful line, and they just kind of said this journey of going partly for the uh, your own soul, but part and also for the people that you meet along the way. And I was I was reflecting on that knowing nicole's story knowing my own story and it's like the times i've been most obedient are also probably the times i've been most blessed or grown or fulfilled filled with a sense of meaning like for my for myself my own soul like it's for me and the lord it was actually worked out best like i i found some of the things in relationship with him through the the trial be that going or be that internal um i I just thought so interesting that there was even that line like this This wonderful monk that studied that there's something about his own soul, his own growth that's still in the story, even though he's off to, you know, to kings. I
2: found this story of the woman you met from Pakistan really interesting, Nicole, because um, you were a voluntary exile in the sense that you'd left your land deliberately. Um, She was an involuntary exile. She effectively she had to leave Pakistan because of her faith and. I was thinking that there's two kinds of exile, isn't there? There's been choosing and there's not choosing. And because uh, Schumann had to deal with a lot of um, refugees, a lot of people who were made homeless by the beginning of the war. And um, after the war, they were called Heimatlosen, the people who lost their homes. And uh, they were all stateless people all over Europe, especially the Jews and um, the Jews who'd survived. And, do you feel like you're homeless or stateless, or do you still feel like you still have a, you know, a solid anchor back in Mexico or U.S.? Um, I
1: still feel like I'm homeless. So I, I have been in, in Michigan for a year, but I mean, I still have the same suitcase that I traveled with um, mm. for the last two years. Um, I never, I still haven't returned to California, which was the last place I was at before I started traveling abroad. So I still haven't even made my way back around, if that makes sense. Um, and I just know I'm here temporarily. So it's weird to say I'm homeless because obviously I have a roof over my head and stuff like that. And I'm here with my parents, but i that's why I identified with um, the passage that I said of uh, Colin Ben, where he just says I'm a pilgrim. Like yeah. yesterday I was a person, today I'm a different person and then tomorrow I might be somebody else. Like I totally understand what he says in that, that portion because I don't know where I'll be next year. <laughs> I have no clue what will happen.
4: Let's okay. the question. So this, this might be like a slightly tangential question, actually, um, but I'm just interested to know, like how important is your support network to you or like, What's your attitude towards your support network? So I've been reading through Luke recently, and so Luke chapter nine that we were talking about earlier. Yes, yeah, but in in the chapter before, then it's it's really interesting. That there's a little section where it says that you know, um, there's I think three or four women are named, and, and it talks about how they supported Jesus out of out of what they had. Um, and that struck me. I hadn't really thought of that before. That even Jesus, um, you know, needed. Well, I suppose he didn't really need people, but you know, he he he, he said right. his his ministry was in such a way that there were people around supporting him. So like. What's your attitude towards that? Obviously, the Lord miraculously has provided for you like directly a lot, but, um, you know, do you engage deliberately with your people that you know are praying for you? Or um, is it is it the case that you trust the Lord directly? And then if other people get involved, great. Like what's your kind of attitude towards that support network and how important is it to you? I'm just interested about that.
1: Honestly, like, and Ben knows this, like it's been very lonely because at times I have tried to make it work myself, where, you know, like I, I'll go to somebody or, you know, I've tried to make community happen and then it doesn't happen. Like, so you get to experience kind of like where Jesus would go to a town and then they would reject him, you know, or they would not understand his vision, like who he is, you know? And so honestly, I've experienced that a lot. And so again, reading chapter 11 of, of Columbine when he's like exiled, it was just like, I cannot know that feeling because I've experienced some of that rejection, you know, where people just don't understand what you're doing, don't understand your vision. And it can be very lonely, especially when you're not going by the book, like typical church, you know, I'm on my on my own. Sometimes I don't have any money, you know, and, and sometimes I fundraised, you know, sometimes I didn't. And so it's just trusting that the Lord, like one, having wisdom and whatever he tells me. So if he tells me to fundraise and I'll fundraise, but if he doesn't, I could fundraise all I want and I still won't get one penny in my bank account. You know what I mean? So I just kind of learned that he's just gonna provide whatever he wants and often he didn't provide. And so then I had people telling me, well, then the Lord is not in it. Then you have heard wrong because he hasn't provided. But yet by him not providing, I ended up in a hostel with a girl that, you know, Ended up needing me like to support each other, you know. So, um, so at times it has hurt me because they're telling me, "No, you're not listening right from the Lord." Like, what are you doing? He's obviously not in it. Sometimes they've just rejected me, and sometimes I end up going to you know South Canton and find a guy like Ben. Who, <laughs> um, so it's just been very specific, kind of like Cullen Ben, where you know they don't have anywhere to any. Like, I, I love that story where he goes. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go see a friend. And then he, I think he didn't really have a friend and he goes to the church and then the priest comes in and then he offers him food. Like it's been very like that, where like suddenly I just encounter somebody that the Lord puts in my way. So it's been incredibly lonely, to be honest. And everybody tells me, Nicole, you need more community, you need more. And I'm like, I know I want it, but I think it's kind of stirred up something in me to kind of search for, like the church that we see in Acts, which is they would literally sell their homes for each other or there's things for each other to feed each other. When at times I haven't experienced that from brothers and sisters, cause they can't even host me when I might not have anywhere to sleep. Like where's that church where we like literally give up everything for each other, that level of community, you know? And so I think the Lord has just been specific to one, make his voice the number one voice I hear at all times, even when other voices are telling me the opposite, and start this like hunger in me to look for that community that I think sometimes we miss in churches now, you know, which is like, I wanna see the church that we see in Acts. They all like support each other. And so just trusting the Lord that he, he'll you know, um, bring me that community that I need, but I think ben, ben knows how much of a struggle it's been.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. That actually is kind of similar to where I was going, Jeff. So yeah, thanks, Nicole. So a couple of things then. So this is for those that are listening, and we're trying to draw out kind of like, you know, kind of synthesize between the book, you know, Colin experience, Nicole's, and our own experiences as believers. So, one of the things, I mean, you were talking there about the reproach of Christ, that, that Moses, you know, he, he doesn't count all the riches of Egypt. You know, so the pain of rejection, the pain that Jesus experienced at Nazareth, you know, spelled out in Psalm 69, and that, that kind of goes to the territory, but, and I'm sure we've, I mean, I, I'm speaking myself, I know that I've done things, started, tried to pull things together, for, and experienced the same difficulties in terms of community building. and whatever so so for those listening please do not let that stop you doing that and trying and even you see the risk of love is the risk of rejection and the risk of Jesus type of love is 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 you know you re- you you receive that so that's one thing so secondly so I and mean, that's what I was going to ask so I was thinking about there's two things that you, you had gone is is this about like things that change nicole so that you had initially gone with this vision that you would do one thing and it and it either has changed or it's delayed and I'm just sort of speaking out of my own experience now having serially started or envisaged so many different types of ministry, written them down, put them out there for people and 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 God's closed the doors which has been really gracious because I have you know a large family and things aren't but I, but I, literally we put ourselves and our house and everything on the brink, the service of the God. And we had to almost prove that to ourselves that we would do it. But but things changed, all right. So that's what I was getting to, and your own kind of uh, thoughts about this, starting this type of ministry. And then, of course, I was gonna say, you know, think about community and think about how Colin Columbanus has this team. And even though that sometimes creates fractions, and even though 17 of the guys die in the Vosges mountains, he has to bury 17 of his friends. How, how does that rest with you now? How, how do you, when you look back at the two years ago, um, H- are you holding that like on a we call it in England on a back burner uh, is that how you look at those ideas do you feel the Lord still has that you know how do you deal with that and
1: okay. yeah um so yeah like I, I set out to start my own non-profit or like sex trafficking which I, I still want to do but I think the one thing I've learned when it comes to like ministry and stuff like that is that we can we can, like, there's so many ministries these days, right? And in churches, we wanna feed the poor and do all these things, which is, like, great. We need that. But I think where the Lord took me was that at the end of the day, like, there's a difference between charity and giving the, the living word of God, you know? And so it's almost like he had to strip any idea of charity that I wanna do Um, because, when dealing with, for example, sex trafficking, which is so hard to deal with, I ended up working with a lot of different nonprofits throughout the world in different continents. And yet the one thing that could set them free is Jesus. So I think my heart has just been like, I just want Jesus, What, like what did Jesus have that, you know, he would just set people free. And, and it doesn't have to be this elaborate ministry where, you know, we plan this and like, I don't know, like it, it's just so simple. Like when did you see the way Jesus did it? And so it's just like, he's just kind of taking me to on this journey of like, it's just Jesus. Like I could plan like my nonprofit and nobody could still be saved, if that makes sense. You know, like, so we could feed a homeless person, but if they don't have salvation, what's gonna matter when they die? And that's sort of like the burden that he's put on me. Like, yeah, sure, you can do miracles. You know, you can feed people, you can do good things, charity work, but if there's no salvation, what's the point? And so at the end of the day, like, I I wanted to start my nonprofit to buy sex trafficking, But actually what I want is just to bring Jesus to people, you know, so that could be in sex trafficking or not in sex trafficking, that could just be a person in the street, you know, to people, because I told everybody, I'm going to start my own, you know, nonprofit. And then I'm like homeless, you know, (laughs) or they see me just traveling. Like people just think I'm sightseeing, which I mean, I did see like sightseeing and everything. And my pictures on Instagram just look like I'm having a great time, you know, (laughs) when I'm actually like crying because I'm hungry or, you know, um, (laughs) And so when I was in England, I was in London and I was just walking um, like, again, I had very little. I had spent all my money to like buy cupcakes for girls at the brothels. And I was just going to go to the brothels in London by myself because I didn't have anybody to go with. So I was like, I'm just going to go. And so I bought a bunch of cupcakes. They didn't let me in. So I just prayed for the security guy because I'm like, OK, at least I'll pray for you, you know? And so I just ended up with a bunch of cupcakes um, to eat <laughs> with like not, nothing else to eat. But you know, I see a homeless guy and I'm just like, hey, do you want a cupcake? You know, and I don't have any money to offer you, but here's my cupcake. Or sometimes I didn't have cupcakes, you know? <laughs> I don't have money to give you, but I can pray for you. And and so we see that, right? Like when John and, and Peter, like they're like, we can't give you money but actually we can give you something better mm-hmm. and so you know at times I, I feel attacked like mentally because like well I'm, I'm not being successful I don't have my nonprofit that I set out to do three years ago I'm a failure I'm just here homeless you know and then I just felt Jesus be like Nicole this this was my ministry this was it yes. like he was just living and and he just happened to see a woman at the well And suddenly she gets a revelation that he's the Messiah and then the whole town gets saved. Like, it's that simple. We're like, I'm just literally living, you know, like I'm just literally walking in London streets. And then I pray for one person. That's it, that's the ministry. And so if I encounter somebody on the tube, then that's the ministry of Jesus, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So he just kind of took away anything that I thought was like, oh, I need to do this nonprofit. Because when you look at, his life in his ministry, it was just very simple. It was just the father mm. and obeying the father, and that's it, you know, and loving your neighbor, and that's it, like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know that, if that can.
0: What you're saying really is that you almost had, a kind of two years ago, a kind of worldly expectation almost mm. that would make sense to, I get it, I get it. I mean, that's, yeah. and, and so he's brought you on a journey where you see the whole world in The way he sees mm-hmm. it, and uh, I mean that yeah. for those listening, that's not to 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 decry kind of structure, organisation. We've got Jeffrey in the bottom left corner with his uh, business MBA. Yeah. But I suppose if God doesn't have us for in the kind of radical obedient ways and he doesn't have us that's the thing obedience is 100% Mm. 99% obedience unfortunately is disobedience (laughs) yeah well it's a case isn't
4: it of unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it um and i think you Mm. know there's so many things that you've said nicole which is just very much like well actually unless jesus wants me to do this what's the point or you know Mm. all that kind of stuff yeah Mm. yeah um
2: I want to ask about the theme of resurrection because um, you've hinted at this a couple of times, Nicole. Because in our story, we've got two clear resurrections within the stories. Um, H- Henry keeps coming back to this idea of people being pushed to their limit um, in their story in their walk with God, and we've got Columbanus went to—he was being sent back home to Ireland, which he didn't want to do because he burnt his bridges. And he felt his vocation was east not west and when he got to not ben mentioned it earlier the whole thing was turned around and by the lord's intervention so he had a, re- a sort of death and a resurrection of his vision and we heard the same thing for robert schumann that he was at metz and he'd be, he thought maybe he was going to be sent to a concentration camp and then suddenly on easter morning the bells are ringing it's all wonderful theater and the lord is saying no actually i'm going to put you in this really comfortable residence for, the, for your next imprisonment. So, I was going to ask you f- to connect that to your story. Are there any particular moments you've come back to Athens a number of times? But are there any other moments, or was it that one where you felt the sense of like being at your absolute limit, and you know, and the Lord coming and plucking you out?
1: Um, I think it's been every day, <laughs> to be
2: honest.
1: Because <laughs> right. um, honestly. Like, the level of stress over my like When I left, I ended up, you know, because I, I, my job paid really good. Like, I had really great benefits. So all my bills were set up for, like, that income. You know, like, I, I was paid $70,000 a year. And so I paid all my bills based on that, you know, like my credit cards. And so then I quit my job. And then suddenly I don't have that income. And, and I just trusted that the Lord would provide. But actually, I, I just you know, like I ended up being more in debt than when I had my job, you know, and I was responsible and everything. And so it's literally been like three years of watching my life crumble. And like, as far as like finances, everything that I've planned and just going completely blind, not knowing how the Lord is gonna provide, not knowing what's gonna happen the next month not knowing how I'm going to survive sometimes, you know, and, and still having that up, like stress, like back home, you know, I had bills, I had this and like, and I just had to say goodbye. Okay. Lord, I trust you. Even if it makes no sense financially, there's still a lot of things that I've given up that I, that, that I'm still waiting for the Lord to like provide or fix, um, that I had to, like give up and like 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 i just have to surrender that to the lord too like of how the world works as far as paying bills or um if that makes sense so till this day i'm still kind of like i still experience everything i've lost the last three years if that makes sense like i'm not yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't Uh, know if ben uh, can
0: i'll just read a scripture before someone else jumps in and it's um jesus says no one truly i tell you no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children who have left fields for me or cars or clothes in storage (laughs) for the gospel will fail to receive them this is postage paid will fail to receive them a hundred times as much in this present age homes brothers sisters mothers children Along with persecutions mm-hmm. and inter- and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last first.
5: So, <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. amazing promise. It's true. Oh.
1: Right, right. That was, uh,
5: those are the verses I was thinking of ten minutes ago, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. as, as you were talking about the same, same thing, the goal, and it reminded me of um, Jesus saying, sort of his his aim, his targets, because we all. Talk about the stories of Jesus healing people and doing miracles and teaching parables, but he said that he, his his aim, his target was to seek and to save the lost, not just physically, but for eternity. And so, you saying that you've got this, this aim, this calling, because for many people hearing hearing this today, you saying you had a, a seventy thousand dollar income and then you giving it up for something else, it's just sort of so to most people, that's what's going on. Why? So could I just throw that question at you? That um, what's the what's the thinking behind it that made you feel that confident, that sure, this is what I need to do, this is what I have to do? What was the the initial impetus to to take that step?
1: Um, like I said, I think I just I knew that. I was just to be in, at my previous job for three years. So I was waiting like, okay, what, what, what do you want me to go next Lord? Like, what's my job? And he had given me certain things to look for. So mm-hmm. he was just like, you're gonna, um, reach a lot of women in your next job. You're going to feel like it's, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be like even harder than your previous job which That job was really hard as a sexual abuse investigator. And, um, The third one was, oh, you're going to feel unqualified for it. And so I'm looking for jobs, like, okay, what is it? And I don't know, just one day I just was like, you know what? I think I'm just meant to start my own nonprofit. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, I want to do ministry full time. And I received other words from people that I didn't know. Like, they didn't know my background, they didn't know anything. And they they pretty much said, you know, like, "Um, I see that you're wanting to go into ministry full time. Don't worry, the Lord is going to provide. Every step of the way, he's gonna pay for your bills and blah, blah blah, and and so I was just like, all right, like that, okay. And I don't know, like there's just something in me that when I read the Bible, I believe it. You know, like when I read Luke nine and Jesus says, "Go, don't take anything. The Lord will provide." Okay, you know, then that that means that he's gonna do it for me too. Like, why can't I live that as well? I think it was just a little bit of like excitement and just like I said, this hunger to wanting to step into my calling and faith. um of course i had no idea what was that that I was going to look like or that i was going to end up in like 15 different countries <laughs> but yeah just fully trusting the lord and I, maybe that's like the miracle you know like i like as in chapter 11 he Col- columban gets exiled like there's a portion that you talk about you know how heartbroken he is and how he's just like totally like yeah like heartbroken is almost like going through hell and like it's just so hard and like i understand it because like it's it's really really hard but it's almost like a miracle that you keep going you know i, I don't know how you 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 yeah, said that yeah.
0: i think what it is is it, that is that we build our lives in narratives and who cannot say that you know like colin barnes at that time he, he, what it is is it's the breakdown of the narrative of what he thought god was doing or at that moment you know it, and it, I just find that it is very moving because that's how we live. And the people that are what we, people call them idealists. They think they call Nicole an idealist, you know, and this sort of, <laughs> But actually, you see, you're more practical, you know, so, uh, like Francis of Assisi. I think Chesterton said he, he he was too practical for politics, so he becomes a mystic. And he did more good that way from You know, he actually probably rescued um, the church for a few hundred years, probably. I don't know. but. Did, Anyway, yeah, I I just think that vulnerability that where we have literally, we, we sacrifice the end of the story we thought we were writing ourselves or we thought God was writing with, even that is to be laid on the altar, even like Abraham's son. So that complete obedience is, you know, Peter says like that verse I just read, Lord, we gave up everything for you. And then Jesus makes that. I just, he makes that promise. And I don't know who's listening out there, but if you're listening and you are like at a point where you feel the story has broken down, something's gone wrong. And I've seen people like this, particularly people that have gone out to to do stuff for God, who've decided to go, you know, full time or to start a church. I've seen people disillusioned, and I've seen what that disillusion has done to them. If you, if that's someone like you and you're listening tonight, please remember uh, what Nicole's saying and, and kind of what Jesus is saying. Let him write the story and he will finish it properly and give it a proper ending. It's not over just yet. Okay, sorry, right, that was uh, me on a preach for yeah, myself.
4: Uh, yeah, um, just <laughs> like a word that's kept coming up for me this evening, and it, it, it was, um, that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Mm. Um, and I was trying to find the other word as well, but like, you know, that, that um, I was gonna say that at the end, but it's, it's inappropriate to say now. Um, and, uh, you know, actually that we've got, promises for this life but also for for eternal life as well you know that those who sow in tears will reap with joy and another word that I think's for you Nicole is um it's in Ecclesiastes I think which there's there's a word in there which talks about if you cast your bread out on the water it will return to you after many days um and that that popped into mind when you were talking about um the woman whose son you prayed for when you were in the airport and then she texted you a couple of months later and said that her son had been healed um like you know that's two months is quite a long time but it's not a very long time but like I think perhaps you won't see like just what an impact you've had for quite a long time yet um and um maybe that's the case for for some people listening into this as well um Henry you know that that actually there are a lot of people who've maybe sacrificed something or you know done something um in obedience to what the Lord's been saying and then have thought oh what a waste like that was you know I I could have done something better with my time no actually anything that's given to the Lord is not wasted Ah, Um, and um yeah so
2: i love the way that we'll never you know this side of the resurrection we will not see the fruit of most of our prayers and most of what we do so we have to believe that what's done in faith and obedience will bear fruit um the seed sown in
5: the ground yeah
0: richard has one or two questions we are going to be wrapping up surely but i know richard just wants he's got something to tie it back into the text so richard what was that well
3: Um, actually this isn't about the text this one it's just um, we've done some quite deep
2: existential stuff. And I think Henry um, Henry's text does invite that, Nicole, because he's he writes it like a meditation, especially with Colin Barnes. He's like a Keanu Reeves. He's a kind of a, quite a bland central character, but a lot happens around him and we can project our stories onto him. Um, whereas the other guys are a little bit more uh, like, um, more Russell Crowe. But um, the, the um, I had a question about, um, just what, what really, what interesting encounters you've had, like um, with individuals, and particularly encountering people from different cultures. You mentioned the lady from Pakistan. I was just interested. Like, have you had any real light bulb moments or lovely surprises where you've encountered a people group through a person and thought, wow, you know, this is rich and interesting.
5: Mm, that was going to be, I'm just going to sort of add to that question if I may, because that was going to be one of my questions about the different cultures and communication because Columban is an Irish monk coming down to France and Burgundy and these different places on the continent so it's a very different cultural, some of it you wonder whether it's as much of a cultural clash as anything else, so it'd be interesting to, to hear from you about that.
0: Yes, I didn't mention this before, I hope you can remember all this Nicole. But see, is that yeah, his clash with the Gallic bishops he falls between the cracks because he's not part of their authority structure then actually not a completely corrupt and awful church as I tried to show in the book but they are in Jonah's narrative of it but he's going to a, a bit of a different. so the cultural clash which sometimes looks like personality and it is as Andy said and I was just relating back to some of your stories because of that you will experience a lot of people with prophetic calling experience a kind of alienation
1: I'm to, i mean honestly i i don't think i've had like like I, I think every time i just go to a nation i'm just in wonder the entire time um and for whatever reason i think it's because i'm like mexican i just seem to blend in everywhere so like in cambodia and southeast asia they thought i was from there <laughs> so um oh. when i was in cambodia i i was going through the whole like okay, I'm broke, I am am i can't pay my bills and I'm actually getting interest in it, you know, and, but yet I'm in Cambodia um, with like, really, really poor kids. Like I'm talking about like, they don't have toys to play, and they don't have much clothes or anything like that. And this is like, these are nations that don't know the name of Jesus. So if you say Jesus loves you, like we would, you know, when we go minister in the streets, they would be like, who's Jesus, you know? Like, Okay. You know, and so it really hits you when you start like thinking about like Buddhism and, you know, they literally don't know about Christianity. They don't know about Jesus and how to like, how do you minister, especially when there's like a language barrier. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's just been like the Lord showing me, for example, in Buddhism, um, actually Buddhism is also based on sin and how, we need to pay for our sins. And that's why they get reincarnated and stuff like that. So actually you can find ways to minister about like, actually Jesus is a solution, you know, to, to, that's what's lacking in your religion. Um, but anyway, so then I'm just in in um, in Cambodia, I'm like super stressed out because I don't have money to pay. And I, I, I feel abandoned by God because it's like, okay, maybe I did something wrong. Um, and so I'm playing with these little kids, you know, like just showing them the love of Jesus. And I just felt super like stressed out about my money. He's like, well, the Lord say, well, um, how much do you think that little boy is worth? Is he worth the extra amount of money that you owe um, back home? And I'm like, well, yeah, he's, he's worth that and, and much more. And he's like, okay, well then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are racking up your bills because he's worth more than that, you know? And then I'm like, yeah, you're right. And then I just felt them be like, and you're also worth that much. So don't worry, like I'm gonna take care of it. And so, I don't know, so I I don't know. I just go to like these nations and I just focus on his love the for people. that nation. Yeah, the yeah. people. Um, no matter the cost. So, whether it be like China or Hong Kong or South Africa or Greece, you know, um, he just gives me like this really big love for each nation and trying to see what the Lord is doing. So, for example, in Greece, I just felt like this feeling of like, wow, I'm walking in Paul's footsteps. Like, I went to a church, a Greek church, and that little, fruit of Paul's like ministry. Like how incredible is that? That I'm in Thessaloniki where, you know, Paul experienced certain things there, you know? Or like I go to England and I feel all the fruit of like how many generations it goes, you know? And the fruit of how much people have fought for Christianity there and like the anointing, like Ben took me to Buckingham Palace and the anointing on that place that you don't necessarily feel in America. So I think, um, yeah, it's just like seeing the Lord, how the Lord sees every nation and every people group. Like mm-hmm. in Cambodia, there's been a genocide and seeing how the genocide affects Cambodia till this day and the father's heart for them. You know, so yeah. it's just really interesting um, what um, the Lord has for each nation. <laughs>
2: yeah. To me, though, from everything you've said, it, the logic of everything, because I was wondering, I asked about your formation earlier and and what God's forming in you through the last three years. And it seems to me that the, some sort of ministry to people who've been trafficked would be the obvious outcome because you've then walked in their steps, you've, you know what it's like to be stateless, homeless, and uh, yeah, you could have a prophetic pastoral ministry to people who've been, and because of your training and your experience in Texas, it, everything seems to point in that direction so far. Is that how you, is that how you see the fruit of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so much. Like, for example, I was in England and I went to the brothels. And so uh, the brothels in different nations look different. Um, so for example, in Cambodia, they might might look different than England. So you would minister in the same way. So in England, the girls do it for money, you know? So they're like, oh, I just get paid really well. So why would I not do it? Like, why would I get another job? And and how do you argue with that? You know, like, I mean, obviously I have reasons why to argue, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if if that's going to provide their bills, like it's hard to just be like, just quit and leave that, you know, like, and so, but at the same time, I just felt like the Lord had kind of given me a key because I, I know what it's like to have a job that pays you really well. And I, and I gave it up for Jesus and I can say it was so worth it. You know, like there's no amount of money that you could pay me to leave that life and not follow Jesus, because that is way more, like, giving than having a job that pays me. Like, that's not giving me life. What gives me life is Jesus. And so, um, so, so then I kind of understood why the Lord had even not provided, because then when I tell them, I know what it's like not to have money, and I know what it's like to be starving, and I can tell you, he is still worthy Mm -hmm. of following him, you know, and so now it comes with a different kind of, like, feeling when I say that because I've lived it out myself yeah. and so there's just like little stuff like that that he's shown me um, thank, you.
2: thank you so much I've, I've kind of prepared these interview questions as one of the panel and thank you for answering so well you've given brilliant answers
0: so thank you <laughs> thank uh, you
4: Jeff's so
0: Jeff just got
4: uh... yeah I've got a question I know we're kind of heading towards the end but one of the themes that that kind of comes through in, in Henry's book a little bit is about transmission and succession um, and sort of training up people to follow, and you know, passing truths on to the next generation and stuff like that. Like, what's your experience been around that? Or, or I mean, it, it could be that people watching this video are inspired to go and be be pilgrims, and do cool stuff, which is which is super exciting. So that's really cool. But like, you know, do you have like? um people following your Instagram who want to be like the next generation of Nicoles going off, you know, doing stuff around the world or like, you uh, know, do, do, you, do you kind of see see a way of, of, of kind of like, um, I don't know, in, in inspiring other people to to live a kind of radical lifestyle for Jesus or?
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I, I would love to, for example, like when I read that Coleman had like his 12, like he lived with his 12 disciples, I was like. I would love to do that. Like just whoever wants to come with me, we'll just go and you know, follow Holy Spirit. Of course it's whatever the Lord wants. So I could want that and then the Lord is like, no, I'm doing something different. Cause honestly Ben knows I did not want to come back to America because you know, I'm traveling, I'm experiencing Jesus in like incredible ways. And then it's like, go back home. So when I read how, Columbine, you know, well, he was gonna go back to Ireland. And I was like, I know that feeling of like, no, I don't want to go back. Like I left there for a reason, you know? Um, and the, and then, I mean, he was the last person I was with before I left I came back to America. So he knows how much I was in like, distress of having to return. So I have to be obedient, you know? So even though I would love to keep traveling and do all that, um, I just, I, I'm just here like, okay, Lord, well, right, I'll be obedient, I'll go back home. I still don't know what he has planned next. Um, But yeah, I would love to like do that. And so, so far I haven't like, I I feel like this is my first time actually sharing my journey, like in this sense. Um, Other than that, it's only been if I meet a person then I'll share my story like face to face. But other than that, like I I haven't really like gone out to speak. And I think what I know is that in this journey part of what the lord wanted to do was for me to have these testimonies so then i share them and people kind of are awakened to like hey well yeah i want to do that too i want to follow jesus too in that level you know and so i don't know the lord has just kind of kept me for example this whole year just in hiding like just completely alone (laughs) um and like so I haven't really shared my story that much yet. So whenever the Lord wants to, like I feel like today is like my first time. <laughs> um, Thank
3: you. Yeah,
1: like uh, I'll definitely like, yeah, like I don't know what the Lord, maybe I'll share and then people will be like, hey, well, I want to do that too. And then the Lord will open doors. Um, was,
4: we'll see. It was, it's been a real privilege having you share it with it us. Does. Like it's yeah. it's really oh, been you. awesome. So yeah, no, real blessing. And um, yeah, I think like that that point that you were just saying at the end there is, is is really cool. That you know maybe that that's been your calling, or at least that's been your calling for 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 a, for a season. Whether that'll continue, that's 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 in the plan. But like the important thing is 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 following the Lord and, and being obedient to what His calling is. So I guess that's that's true for all of us, and for anyone listening as well. That actually, you know, the Lord gives what we need, and He gives life, um, and, and life, um, in all its fullness. Mm. Um, and actually, yeah. the important thing isn't necessarily to to try and mimic Columban or try and be right. Nicole or try and do Henry's books, you know, or whatever. But actually, to, mm. to to follow the track and the path that the Lord has for us. So it's been Truly inspirational, it's been great. Thank you,
5: thank you, thank you, Colin. Yes, thank you
0: very much. Now we get down to the real business. Now, Richard's gone
4: off. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, yeah. No, so, so, um, this is at the end of chapter nine of um, of Saving Europe, and there's the there's 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 a quote from Colin McCann, and it's uh. Uh, In the end, the only things worth doing are the things that might possibly break your heart. We spoke about that a little bit earlier, actually, in terms of kind of you know investment and you know serving others out of out of a place of kind of kind of brokenness almost. But that actually that that kind of the love that Jesus has for people and the love that the Father has for people, I don't think we can truly comprehend it actually. Um, But you know sometimes we get a little glimpse, um, and that's that's truly powerful. So yeah, that that was that was one thing, and another thing that I think. Ties into some of the some of the scriptures we were sharing earlier, but it was that that sadness of the split between Columban and Gaul,
3: yes,
4: his friend at the end, and um, like I can't remember if you said this explicitly in the book, Henry, or if this is just something that I inferred from it, but um, that the, that that was almost a seed that you know, even though they that, that it was it was it was sad that they they went they parted ways and whatever happened there. Um, that actually, you know, because Gaul was in a separate place from Columban, a separate work was able to grow there. Um, and um, the thing that I was reminded of was, um, you know, the the, the seed that uh, uh, it, that falls to the ground, it must first die and you know be buried, and and then 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 bring forth yeah. fruit later. So there was just that sense as well of you know uh, those who go out with um, yeah.
3: I've
4: got I've got the full scripture here, so. Uh, um, it's psalm 126 he who goes out weeping bearing a trail of seed will surely return with shouts of joy carrying sheaves of grain um there's that there's that sense of, of you know sometimes the kind of there's death to self but then also you know sometimes the the, the sadness as well like that can still that can still bring about a, a, a sort of a harvest of joy um so yeah the, the, just a couple of a couple of points there for me yeah
1: yeah, yeah that, that verse that you said about um you know the tears and will reap joy and all that like Um, It's a a verse that's helped me a lot this season because I think sometimes in church, at least here in America, it's like, um, you know, you have to be joyful and you have to be, like there's this pressure that everything needs to be all right all the time. If not, you are not looking at Jesus, you know? And so at times it's just hard. It's really, really hard. And, you know, I call Ben crying or, you know, because I I, I feel tormented sometimes with um, how hard walking by faith is and how lonely it is and um and so that that like finding that in the bible where actually you know you find that like kind of encouragement even when you're going through really hard things Mm. um has really really helped me so yeah so (laughs) um, good which sometimes in churches you don't hear about you know so yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah. no I, i this is perhaps relevant as well then it's from the beginning of chapter nine it's a quote um that Henry included from one of Columban's sermons. um, Though weary, do not give up. Weep and rejoice at the one time out of zeal and hope. Um, That's a letter to a young disciple. I I, I can't remember who it was that said this. It might've been John Wesley or someone anyway. Um, I remember hearing them quoted as saying that a a believer, a saint um, should never be more than five minutes away either from tears or from laughter. Like, you know, there's that kind of, um, you know, well, I think it's almost that depth of, of of emotional experience actually that you know that 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 life with Jesus is life in its fullness, and that actually you know we're not um, Zen in the sense that you know we're not kind of this 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 sort of platitude of, of of everything's all right, but actually you know there's there's that kind of that kind of depth of emotion that comes with a spiritual experience actually, um, and um, weep yeah, those I don't know, any, yeah, yeah weaving with those who weep exactly. So yeah.
3: As well, it's the um, joy and the pain. They sometimes go hand in hand. Um, I was just going to add on to that story of Ghoul. It's like, I mean, it's something very seasonal, but it's so sweet when you find uh, you can journey with people in a way more proximal way for a time. But uh, I mean, I was when Nicole had to leave back to America. It sucked. <laughs> Like just being a friend left behind, it really sucked. I was probably just a bit grumpy for about six months. <laughs> but, well, I really enjoyed it. It was way more fun. <laughs> so you're just reminding me of that. It
5: was just, uh, That's it. That that human connection between a, a brother and sister in crisis is really important, and it it it's very much just back to Jeff's first of his two points that uh, shows God's heart. God God cares for people and people and the connections between people that we all have the, have the same love for gardens so or love and a care for each other yeah, shines through. So it, it almost I almost want to jump back to, to the question that both me and Richard threw at Unicole, which I've actually decided was slightly, possibly the, almost the wrong question. But we were asking about sort of different cultures. But for you, from what I'm understanding from the whole conversation here is, it's, it's not so much about this, this culture or this country, it's who are these people? These are people made by God. They need God. So regardless of color or gender or skin or where they are in the world, it doesn't make any difference what their work is, what their ethics are, what their opinions are. Wherever they are, whatever the position they're in, they need God in their situation. They need to be given to him. So... Right
1: yeah (laughs) it's Mm. so good yeah and i I don't know i mean maybe it's because i'm you know mexican and american you know i was born in two different cultures and i felt that Mm. all my life (laughs) um it's been
5: much less of a of a thing for you it's just people are different from different cultures that's so what
1: yeah Mm. and and yeah like always trying to see it from god's perspective and i think Mm. ben i think he, he said it earlier but i always just bring it back to God. What is he saying? What, how does he see it? And I don't, but I think it just maybe comes natural to me, but I don't mm-hmm. deviate from that. Like I don't care anything about anything else except how does he see it. And and so when I walk into a nation, there's so much history, you know that, and, and that's why your book is so beautiful, you know, because it, it matters, you know, like how, wh- wh- why we are here today, what took place, and how it's affected us today you know and and each nation has their own history and what the lord is doing and what he wants to do so (laughs) yeah regardless of my own culture or my own experience
4: yeah that's really cool There were a couple of things Mm -hmm. there one was just about um when jesus said by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another um that's that's quite powerful actually isn't it and and like some people are easier to like than others <laughs> so sometimes you know it is it is really kind of part of the fruit of the spirit that you do have patience or love for particular people that you might not otherwise get on with i mean you're all lovely you're all great but you, you know what i mean there's sometimes sometimes there's a spiritual element to that as well um but it, it's obviously that that's the case uh, good. yeah
1: and i think that's um i know um i had read like one point that you had sent to Ben about, like, how do we do with community? How, how do we, mm. um, like, and and I think that's it, you know, like, what, whenever you live a life following Jesus, um, you can then share that with another person, like, your own path, and that makes other people want that, too, you know? Like, when I talk about how close I was with Holy Spirit through this journey, other people want to have that, too, and it inspires, well, then, I want to experience that too. And they, and then they start pursuing Jesus in that way, you know, so it's kind of like a domino effect. And so, yeah, sometimes I think in churches, we try to like, oh, how how can we make the church hungry? Or how can we, you know, like try to find solutions and to to make the congregation become more involved or uh, closer to Jesus when actually, um, it can be quite simple like that, you know, just by example, just by sharing testimony. And, and watching other people do it you know i don't know if if that makes sense (laughs) definitely
4: definitely does yeah yeah yeah. so Mm. yeah
3: yeah two two from two from me one is like what like this whole conversation is such a beautiful reminder when it's like one like there was a line earlier in this book which was i don't know if it was one of henry's reflections on what we're reading but it's that desire to just be with the people where that we're accepted and loved is beautiful and we get to experience snippets on earth, but really that will be fully fulfilled in, in the next age. Like that, that that's what we're made for, to be one in community. And there's a sense of like, yeah, that's gonna be lovely, but that's just the getting on in the meantime. Mm. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is the, it's the eyes on the prize. It's the, yeah. what we're we really here for. And, and exactly that story of Gaul of. Whether the Lord redeemed it or intended it, I don't know. Whether it was a falling out or if it's, but the fact that he stayed there and for forty years, got mm. to preach this culture, live this culture, heal the sick, mm. preach from all these teachings, and 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 his journey, and it probably went on far more successfully had he done that than if they'd all mm. left again. Um, the second one is a, it was, it was a thought just it was talking about like leaving a job, like and, and just following the Lord and.
1: yeah no that's that's really good i think um like it'd be easy it would have been easy for me to say no i can't because i need to pay bills i i can't quit my job and and just stay you know and and so what it reminds me of like jesus went up to you know peter and like hey just follow me okay you know like like when they had a job they 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 were fishermen and suddenly like you read it and you're like, that's it. That's how easy it was for them to drop everything and follow him. Like there's nothing, there's no context, you know, like we just read it that they went. (laughs) So, um, what does it look like to actually do that? Um, and how maybe we create our own obstacles to not follow Jesus the way he wants us to like, maybe it's like, well, how am I going to then have health care? How am I going to pay my bills? How, um, when it doesn't matter, you just follow Jesus, you know, and, and then he'll figure it out and and you, and we see Jesus and, you know, like, they try to fish and they have no fish and then suddenly they have a ton of fish, you know? So it just goes to show like that level of faith where you're like, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter if I don't have everything perfectly organized for me to survive, God will, will provide somehow, <laughs> so yeah, it's really good.
3: I love that thought about Peter as well. It's like we don't flesh out the story. It's just like, of course you follow Jesus. Like looking back in time at the man that stood out and now everyone talks about him. Why <laughs> would you want to? Back then, when he was just a bloke that's like, oh, he's the carpenter and he said, follow me and I'll teach you to be fishers of men and in this quite cryptic way. And I just love the idea that like, Peter had a birthday party on Friday that he was meant to go to. He went to see his mum on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and there's the cost to him of oh, all these people. Oh, go on then, play Oh, I was we really looking forward? They cook great fish at the restaurant on Friday. Mm. Like, you know the, the yeah. You just yeah. I never thought of that before. About the things that I would think about if Jesus said, "You need to do this next week." It's like, oh, but I'm gonna. Oh, but they mm. all look bad. Like, like so, so silly in the eternal view of things. But, um, mm. It's a good point.
5: And the, that time when they go back and go fishing again. Yeah. They're back to what they know. It's it's what they know, but Jesus comes in and changes that as well and improves that. And they catch ex-fish having struggled away themselves and not managed to do anything. So he can still can still make a difference in our in our natural environment where we think we're on top of things and in charge and know what we're doing.
1: Yeah.
5: As much <laughs> as he can when we're trusting him in in oh. the random places across the world. Yeah.
1: And oh. the
4: unexpected. Yeah, unexpected things really work good. out as well don't they um <laughs> sorry ben um like uh just I, I i scribbled in the margins sorry i scribble loads of margins including like <gasps> emojis in pencil when i'm reading the book henry because like i'm like oh that's a sad bit so i've drawn a sad face <laughs> sad um but um uh, there's 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 a bit this isn't a sad bit this, well it's this a sad bit actually um this is this is the section about columban and gaul and and, and so on but you had this really beautiful line about like you know um you know, it, could it be said that heaven touched earth here or divinity shaped the earth and so on? And um, just that sense of, of Romans, the end of Romans chapter eight, you know, when it's talking about actually, you know, all things work together for good to those who love God and according, according to his purpose. Um, you know, the, the flight to the, the airport in Greece for Nicole, or, you know, Gaul going a different way from Columban or whatever, you know, that actually, you know, God really does have a purpose and really does work all things together. Um, yeah, sorry.
0: Thank you very much everyone for tonight. It's been a most faith building session and challenging too. Uh, coming up soon we have got tons of academic content. We've got uh, Dr Dominic Erdzein from Emory in Atlanta, Dr Philip Babaya from uh, Kent University, uh, Professor Josh Horden from Oxford University and Dr Jonathan Chaplin from Cambridge coming up on the to so the final chapters dealing with um, the Europeanization of Europe, British exceptionalism, uh, Colin and uh, Schumann uh, Franco-German reconciliation. Wonderful things coming up before now in November so please make sure to subscribe if this stuff interests you and hit the okay. notifications bell. Uh, once again uh, Blue Collar scholars, could we give a big round of applause to thank Nicole for her time?
1: Thank you so much
0: beautiful for having. life beautiful <laughs> life as a sweet fragrance before. God our saviour.
5: That's wonderful. Thanks very much. Thanks very
0: much. Remember also that this journey was part of the research for a book which uses the lives of Columbanus and Schumann to explore the unlikely arrival, survival, victory and atrophy of European civilisation. Do follow the links below to find out more. Please let us know what you thought of this episode, what you liked, what you didn't, what was new to you just start a conversation below in the comment section. And of course, if you found the content helpful, then we're pretty sure you're gonna like this next one suggested here. But also while you're there, don't forget to help us by subscribing
1: to the channel. Thanks for watching.